0: This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect.
1: As we look ahead to growing or perhaps rebuilding businesses in this new business climate, one thing is clear. We cannot simply go back to what we did before smarter, more thoughtful approaches may be necessary. And gathering insights on how we best connect to the state of mind of the consumer in this moment is crucial. In that spirit, we'd like to share with you an extraordinary conversation that offers insights into dialing into neuroeconomics or why people make decisions. Dr. Paul Zak, scientist, scientist, entrepreneur, and author of several books, including Trust Factor, The Science of Creating High-Performance Companies, joins a host of another Mouth Media Network podcast, Content Is Your Business, Ritesh Gupta. We think you'll get a lot out of this, and we're delighted to share it with you in its entirety.
0: From New York City, you're listening to Fashion Is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the fashion industry.
2: Hi, I'm Paul Zak. I'm a professor at Claremont Graduate University and CEO of Immersion Neuroscience. I love content because great content changes your brain and changes the way you feel.
1: Hi, I'm Mark Rako, head of content and programming for Mouth Media Network and the producer of this podcast, Content is Your Business. As we bring you brand new episodes of this show, one of the members of our new hosting team, Ritesh Gupta of Media, had a chance to sit down with Dr. Paul Zak, a renowned neuroeconomist. Hang on to your hat because coming up, you'll hear what we think you'll find to be an insightful and crucial conversation about connecting content with the way our brains react. Frankly, this could be one of the most important podcast episodes you ever listened to. So we thought it was a great way to lead off this updated iteration of the show. We'll be back with more in the series of exciting conversations starting next week with another great guest and more of our impressive team of expert hosts. Thanks for joining us.
0: From New York City, you're listening to Content Is Your Business, conversations with industry leaders and influencers covering the strategy and innovation of brand storytelling. Hi, I'm Ritesh Gupta, uh, creative and content maker at VaynerMedia. Very excited. Paul, thank you so much for coming to the show. This is a topic that I think every content maker, whether you're a maker, a marketer, anybody is going to get a ton out of this because I think you, are get, you have the secret sauce to making better content. And it is n- called neuroeconomics is how you got there. Just in a nutshell, describe neuroeconomics and what the heck it has to do with content. Great question.
2: So thanks for having me on, Ritesh. So I know you never have made a bad decision in your life, but your brother-in-law who was buying investment real estate in 2007 when everyone knew the bubble was blowing, what's the deal on that? So neuroeconomics measures brain activity while people make decisions to understand why people do what they do. And the humans are weird. You've seen them, right? So Why are we so variable? If we have these big brains, why why do we make mistakes? And why do we respond to interesting things like content, advertising, movies? So uh, you and I are a bunch of macho guys, right? But we've seen people cry at movies. So that to me is fascinating as a scientist. You're cognitively intact. You're aware these are professional actors. You know you're in a theater. And yet at the end of the movie, when the boy gets the girl, you start crying. Well, not us. Other (laughs) people start crying. Why is that? Right, something moved us. And so that's what I focused much of my research on. What's that movement that somehow clearly affects brain activity, but motivates an action?
0: Mm-hmm. Was there a movie, a film, a moment that was the, one of them that you were like, looked around the theater? Is, was there something that sparked that?
2: Absolutely. I was coming home years ago from Washington, D.C. My kids were little, my darling little gorgeous girls, and I started watching Million Dollar Baby which I had not seen, Clint Eastwood movie, it's a father-daughter story. And the next thing I remember, the guy next to me is poking me in the arm saying, sir, do you need help? I wasn't crying. I was like, every orifice on my face was exuding fluids. You know, it was really embarrassing. And I started thinking, what the hell? How can this piece of content change, not only the way I feel, but weird things coming out of my
0: holes in my face? So what was the next step for you after that? After that initial curiosity in this like, Wanting to discover what this was like, what did you do then? Like, how did you then start to like, tell us how you started putting tea leaves together and figuring out where we are today? So I mentioned this to my lab partner. It's a beautiful thing about having a neuroscience lab. We
2: said, let's just start testing emotional content and see what happens in the brain. And I think here's where the story gets interesting because certainly there's content that's highly emotional. How do we know if it's good content? So I'm a very boring, practical person. I don't want to rely on feelings and intentions which are too fleeting. So we said, okay, let's use PSAs. We'll pay people. We're doing blood draws. We're going to look at changes in neuroactive chemicals. If we got people to donate some of the money that they earn because I poked them twice in the arm to grab blood from them, it must be a good good piece of material, right? That content must have been so powerful, so some people respond. Some people don't. What are the differences in productivity? And then we spent about 15 years tracing out those pathways. By the way, the funding from the U.S. government, we did work with the U.S. military, U.S. intelligence community, as you can believe, are very interested in persuasion. And so we realized that we were sort of in the persuasion business.
0: How did uh, It was so interesting when I was uh, you know, learning more about you. So did the, did the government reach out to you? Did you reach out to – like it was the CIA, was it? Like who did you work with and like – Anytime the CIA is interested in something you're doing on a scientific level, you're on to something, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, we –
2: for whatever reason, we kind of get some press on the stuff we get. So they actually, they reached out to us, which is very nice. And the way these systems work is it's sort of like Dante's Circles of Hell. It'll give you a little money if you're you – know, if you do a good job, give you more money, then you're in the ninth circle of hell eventually. But we you – know, this is post-9-11. So we did a lot of work on things like terrorist recruiting. Um, you know, As you know, ISIS, which is funded by drug money – has a state-of-the-art, amazing production studio. And they are smart and they produce good content. Bad people, Mm -hmm. but they are good in terms of producing Mm -hmm. content. Mm -hmm.
0: So – and I would implore everybody who's listening to this to, after this, go on to YouTube and look at uh, Dr. Paul Zak and and Google Storytelling because it will pull up the story of Ben. And that's a piece of content that I was fascinated by, like – how you broke that down and the two chemicals it released. And, like, tell us, tell the audience, uh, if you can, a, a quick snapshot. What is the story of Ben? Did you create that? And, like, how did you use that as, you know, to test different audiences and these chemicals that were released? Great. So, we got with permission from St. Jude Children's
2: Hospital a fundraising video, which we sliced up into 200 second segments. And we did blood draws before and after and saw who donated St. Jude's and who didn't. And by the way, people donate, we really give the money to St. Jude's because like what bad karma to not do it. And we found that the people who donated money had two responses. One is they had an increase in cortisol, which is this arousal chemical. Um, So they paid attention to the ad, which is not for free. We live in the ADD world. But secondly, and more interestingly, they were emotionally engaged by that little piece of content. And that emotional engagement is reflected in the brain's production of oxytocin. This chemical that our lab was the first to show had behavioral effects on things like trust and empathy. So basically, I paid attention. I had this empathic resonance with the story of this little child dying of cancer. Half the people who watched that ad, we paid them 40 bucks, donated money to St. Jude's. On average, almost $20. So if this thing somehow grabbed your brain the right way, produced cortisol and oxytocin, you're flipping back half of the money we're paying you to stab your arm
0: twice To Saint Jude's, crazy. That's amazing. And if you're and and this is the part for especially for content makers and and marketers and you know film producers, anybody out there listening, tell us about oxytocin and how that breakthrough, how you discovered this chemical, because this is the chemical that really has defined this neuroeconomics and sort of your work. Correct. Exactly right. So it's
2: a chemical the brain makes that's classically associated with. Uh, The things that mammals do, live birth, uh, female uh, care for offspring, breastfeeding. Um, What we showed starting in the early 2000s is that if someone trusts you, if you have a positive social interaction of many, many types, your brain produces this chemical. It reduces your fear of being around another human because, you know, humans could be dangerous and it motivates you to actually work on the other person's behalf. So you're nice to me. My brain makes this chemical and I'm nice to you. What's that sound like? That's the golden rule. That's how we get along. That's how we sustain ourselves in community. And so not only do we measure this in blood, we can infuse synthetic oxytocin safely into human brains through the nose. We've done this. I've done this personally about 700 times safely. So we know we can turn on these positive social behaviors like trust, like generosity, like charity. And as we started looking at content, we developed a way to measure this with wireless sensors at millisecond frequency. So now I can look at content second by second and see, When's this grabbingly? When do I? When do I check out? When am I not paying attention? And uh, as one of my uh, clients said, "It's the give a shit
0: measure." Right. That's great. The give a shit measure is. I- I'm going to steal that one. So take it. Uh, I will. I'm definitely going to take that. So in terms of, um, in term, let's talk about content now, because content. Th- this word is probably as we've learned before. Maybe the most overused word, but everything's content right now, whether it's an ad, whether it's a film, whether it's a series on Netflix, like that we love, everything is content. And I want to ask you this question because I am told as a content maker, people have very short attention spans. It's 2019 right now. Um, And you might even be listening to this in 2020 and people are there. Everyone's telling us attention is shrinking Tell us about, you know, attention and, like, what are these pillars of content that you've discovered between attention and character and, like, how to really truly engage people? So we
2: find is that the attentional response has to precede the emotional response. So first, got to grab my attention. So really kind of starting that content hot uh, and then give me a reason to care about it. So build some emotions, build some conflict, have a character. As social creatures with social brains, we are fascinated by the other humans – and they could be anthropomorphized humans, robots, animals, um so if you can build in that conflict where i 'm i 'm uh, kind of the dramatic arc, I care about what 's going on, I want to see how this thing resolves that 's how we learn as human beings we we watch others, so there 's a real reason to have content. What we find now testing have tested thousands and thousands of pieces of content is often that storytelling arc is sloppy it 's not done well there's too many um Flat points. And so I think from a sort of an advertising perspective, shorter tends to be better. So if we can jump to the 2019 Super Bowl commercials, give you a concrete example of that. So uh, there was a single two minute ad, which was for the NFL, and uh, it was rated as most liked by USA Today readers. It was the bottom third for neurologic immersion. But if we chopped out the first 30 seconds of that, it killed. But the pattern of that ad, which viewers can google and watch, it replicates over and over and over, so that's kind of sloppy storytelling to me the 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 energy in the ad was dissipated by not ending on a high note
0: mm, interesting it's funny i it, you know in our travels, we sort of sometimes say it's hitting the same emotional beat, but it's interesting because that Beyond just USA Today, and let's talk about this because you broke down uh, before we jump too too much further. You actually looked at all of the 2019 Super Bowl ads, did did you not? We did. We've done this for five years in a row. So, with your company, so tell us like how you know with Immersion Neuroscience is your company. Um, so tell us or the company you're with. So tell us about what you all did and how how many people were how many people were in this sort of like this is your modern day version of the focus group, which we'll get into a little in a little bit. But how did you bring people together? How did you measure and like tell us about you know the test? Right. So we basically took the neurologic signals that we
2: use all this uh, intelligence community money to identify and now have developed a wearable sensor. Which allows us to measure neurologic immersion at scale. So I can do it's all cloud based. Five hundred people, a thousand people, we don't care. And were have, they all in your lab? They were actually at a bar because we wanted this to be wow. ecologically valid. So interesting. In in every year before this year, we did an ex a couple of days after the Super Bowl. We took a bunch of commercials, put them in the lab. And it's such a clean setting. Everything's beautiful and great. That's not how people watch ads, actually. They watch it with noise and drinks and waiters. And so we reserved a space in a bar, recruited 33 people, bought them two drinks so they'd come show up and just watch the commercials live. And we live captured which ones were best and which ones were not best neurologically. So I don't don't want to rely on liking. And we had this discussion before we went on air. Liking is a bad question. I don't care if you like the commercial. I care if that commercial motivates you to take an action. And the algorithms we've written based on these neurologic uh, signals are all about actions, not feelings or intentions.
0: And so that's great. So you you let them – so just for the record, they, you let them – this is a great social setting. They're having drinks. It's like the way you would live your life normally. Are they wearing sensors or like what do they have? Right. So the sensors go on the forearm. Mm-hmm. And from the forearm, we can infer what's
2: happening in their brain because, again, we've traced out these pathways very carefully. And we've we've written very efficient algorithms so we can watch this data coming in in real time on the cloud mm. from the thirty three people in the bar, and um, so so that allows us to immediately after the Super Bowl do a ranking. So what was the most immersive commercial? It was this Chunky Milk commercial for Mint Mobile. Weird commercial: a family eating Chunky Milk, drinking Chunky Milk, I guess, and but they're smiling. Oh, this is fabulous! It's great. So now we have a disconnect. So there's a narrative arc there, which is more and more of the family are talking about how chunky milk is the greatest thing ever, and so is Mint Mobile. But they're smiling when they do it. So now my brain's trying to make sense of this. So in the NFL two-minute commercial, I see the pattern recurring. At beginning, In the beginning, it's no pattern, right? I'm just trying to understand what's going on. Okay, fun. It's weird football players knocking over a big cake. But once that pattern begins to recur, I've lost all that energy. So we really want to, what we find is we really want to leave consumers with a fairly high tension point so that they are motivated to take an action. If I resolve that dramatic arc completely, I've dissipated the energy. So I want to generate conflict and then end with some conflict and on a high immersive point. So now I got to buy a ticket. I got to buy a product. I got to share this
0: information. That is interesting. That right there is so different from what I've heard. So you don't resolve it. So it's the best thing to do is end on a tension point. Now, is that tension point within the story itself? Like, for example, right? It's about characters, This in this case, for the Chunky Milk, uh, which I'm also fascinated by because there's a couple big ad trade publications that rank that as the worst spot. Um, a couple critics critics um, gave that. Some critics gave that a um said that was the worst of all of the spots out there, and and your metrics say it performed the best. Um, in terms of that tension, is that left in the story, or can that be done with post copy, etc. A call to action by a brand, whatnot?
2: I think it could be done both ways. I mean, you want to keep tension in the conflict of the story, right? This the chunky milk has a conflict, which is what the hell is this family thinking? Um, but you wanted explicit or implicit call to action, right? So that was a very interesting example because the storyline does not directly relate to the pitch for Mint Mobile. Uh, but at the same time, they're making a little play on words. Just like you wouldn't want to drink chunky milk, you probably don't want to use some giant company like AT&T or Verizon right. for your mobile provider.
0: So what, um in terms of... uh. In terms of all the Super Bowl content, anything else surprise you from the 2019 Super Bowl? From what your you, the data you collected? Uh, I think one thing is interesting. So we, uh, I'm going to go back to 2018. So 2018, and just for context, just so everybody knows, you also did the same thing at 2018. For 2018. A different, you did a more modern day version of 2019 in terms of live. But you also, um, uh, Dr. Paul Zach also did this experiment in the 2018 Super Bowl. Right.
2: So we're still waiting for the 2019 data to come in for this analysis, but we related the USA Today ad meter ratings to whatever outcome measure we could find. YouTube views, YouTube comments. I don't have sales data, right? So I can't do that analysis. And the USA Today ratings on liking, a negative correlation. Immersion, a nice strong positive correlation with YouTube views, views and comments. So again, when the brain tags these this information, this content with emotion – It's saved differently. It's more easily accessed in the brain, and we're seeing that reflected in how much life this content has uh, post-showing on broadcast TV.
0: So what's fascinating—let's turn to the way we've always been told, whether it's—whether this is advertising, a new movie coming out, a hit, you know, a new television series. Everybody does one thing. They do the focus group, right? The classic focus group, and it hasn't changed a whole lot. Um, What is— What is different about your – with immersion neuroscience, what is the difference between your testing and that testing and why is that testing antiquated um, and sort of broken, if you will? So we
2: somehow have this view that because our brains produce language, our brains can use that language to relate our unconscious emotional experiences. It's just not the case. It's like asking your liver how you processed breakfast this morning. That's just a nonsensical statement. So by asking people consciously to give us an answer, how much do you like this thing? What do you think of it? Um, we're, We're really asking the wrong question. So by being able to measure second by second these unconscious emotional responses, neurologically, I'm getting much richer and cleaner data on what really grabs people. And again, I don't care about liking. I care about grabbing your brain so much that you've got to do something about this so i think it's a really different approach and focus groups you know one person pipes up something and everyone follows and it's just a mess
0: we're going to come back and dive more into the art of content and then whether you're a marketer or a content maker how you can apply it to make better content and to really you know capture your audience stay tuned <laughs>
1: to laugh do you love great interviews with a lot of heart do you like good stories do you like to hear about life well good news because if you listen to a show called funny people talking all of that happens right danielle all of it happens every single thing you said on that list and more elsie does any of it not happen it all happens Come on, Elsie. It really happened. Okay. Well, you should join us on Funny People Talking on Mouth Media Network. You can find us anywhere. You can find a great podcast. And I know it's true because these people loved it. Only for a short time while they were listening to the show, Then Life Sucked. Listen to Funny People Talking. This almost
0: just sounds too easy, like why how did you just come up with this and you know some I'm going to call bullshit on you for a second, so just tell me break this down how this works, like surely you're asking people questions afterwards, like what what's going on
2: right, so this is fifteen years of really hard research, a lot of mistakes, thousands and thousands of blood draws, uh wearable sensors, you know a lot of investment in technology um until we identified signals that, uh, that the term of art statistics is robust, they consistently predict people's outcomes. So when we ran all these studies that are published and people can Google me and download the papers and read them themselves in peer reviewed journals. We always gave people an action to do like in the PSAs, they had to donate money. So who responded to that stimulus and who didn't? So we did work, uh, for example, for a life insurance company here in New York. And after the uh, rough cut of this ad, you could give us your email so life insurance agent can call you, right? That's great. Um, but we did a study recently uh, for um, Chris Dorsey Pictures, which is a producer of unscripted TV. And the sort of pain point in the unscripted world is that most of those shows are not very good. And so they're underpriced when they're sold to the cable networks until they build a big enough uh, audience. Um, so there's a pricing issue. So Dorsey said, look, could you predict top rated shows from bottom rated shows? We worked a lot of movie studios, and we can talk about that. Work on movie trailers. I don't know about TV shows and unscripted shows. That's complicated. First of all, ratings are complicated. What's at what time of day? How's it advertised? Right. So I don't even know how much content to test. Mm-hmm. So I say, give me a ton of shows. You guys pick them, mm-hmm. and give me some top-rated shows and some bottom-rated shows. And then I start thinking about bladder capacity. Right. If you're watching, they give me 25 shows. You can't watch 25. They're 22-minute shows, right? Half-hour right. TV shows. So what if we just tried the first. Back to those shows because a little narrative arc in that. right? So we had 84 people in the market uh, demographic watch half those shows each because, again, the bladder. Um, so 84 people, they used to watch 12 or 13 shows, eight to nine minutes for the first act. And we built a predictive model using neurologic data. Just with two data streams that we get from our system, we could predict with 84% accuracy the top shows and the bottom shows. If you add in, have you seen it before? That pushed to 88%. So whatever we're, we're, we're measuring is capturing this, as we said earlier, it's sort of
0: give a shit. It's like, holy crap, this is so interesting that i got to see more of this. So let's talk about – because, look, let's say I'm a brand, right? I'm a brand, and the reason why we're testing anything to begin with, whether it's 30 years ago, right now, is to do one thing, to predict sales lift. How have you measured sales lift, and have you – Or have you seen anything that you've analyzed, whether a client or not a client, um, have you seen a sales lift in work that you identified? You're like, hey, in the moment, you're like, this is a great ad or this is a great piece of content. And then it proved itself out afterwards.
2: So a couple of years ago at uh, CanLions, the president of Asia BBDO said, our ads are so good they cause the brain to make oxytocin. So my web crawler for oxytocin pops up. I watch this guy's video and I'm thinking bullshit like i developed the assay to measure this in blood it's hard it's a biohazard bbdo is not measuring oxytocin so i find this guy's email somewhere and i said i'm skeptical i'm wondering who tested this for you because it's hard number one and number two if you're interested you know give me a shout Uh uh-huh and And literally two hours later i an email back one holy crap paul zach we know who you are (laughs) get out because i'm the oxytocin guy right that's my my
0: one claim Mm -hmm. to fame and so, as long as you're not known as the Oxycontin guy, that's just to be clear, right. Different, it's different easy game, to, to move letters ball, around. Let's, let's just let's keep it careful. all straight. You're the oxytocin guy. Go back. I'm all about
2: the love. You know yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, you know, I said, look, we can measure oxytocin in blood, but don't you really care about how much sales lift you're getting from these ads? So here's the, the uh, deal we made with them they said, we'll give you 18 ads. Our clients have ranked them for sales bump, we will hold that information. You weirdo nerds knock yourselves out, do whatever you do. And there were uh, six brands, so three ads per brand. So top, medium, and low. See if you can identify the top ones. Now, there's all kinds of ways I can order those ads, right? So sure enough, we put people in the lab, had them wear our sensors, and indeed, we could predict the top ad for five of the six brands. This is Guinness, Visa. I mean, these are big brands, Bud Light. The brand we could not predict was Bud Light, actually. And later on, BBDO said, oh, by the way, they had concerts. They had social media. Well, that's not associated with the, the uh, sales bump from the ad, right? I couldn't
0: know that. So we did really, really well. It's 83% accuracy, mm-hmm. statistically significant result. So you ranked the spots based on like, we think this is your best spot. We think this is – Not thinking. This is mm-hmm. your neurologic immersion. So we right. had
2: you know 60-some people watch these ads in random order and we just saw which one was most oomph. You know, so we create this word immersion because we don't want to use the word engagement, which is so overused. So it's really this attention plus this oxytocin emotional resonance that you get from it, and we built an index that has this this uh, immersion value run from zero to ten. So higher is better. Um, so y- you can rank things.
0: I want to look at this though for a second and use that story through the through the lens of an agency or the marketer, right? So let's say you said there was Visa, um, and let's say. So when you ranked the ad, did they initially give you six different brands' ads and they said the, all these brands had a tangible sales lift already? They knew they had a sales lift. And then you ranked them and then how did they – because they're withholding information from you, right? right, purposely to test you. So how did they test you is my question.
2: Right. So we sent them the ranking and we said, you know, how yeah. much does it line up with what you had? And these, some of these ads are fabulous and some are dogs. I mean, honestly. And so that's the question is how do we get to great content? And now we're hoping on content creators and maybe focus groups and maybe some kind of testing. Um, so I was in an agency recently that does a lot of online work and they said they released 100 versions. This was a 15-second ad online to see which one gets click-through. To me, that says I don't know what the hell I'm doing. You may disagree with me, but it just seems like I'm burning all this time editing this piece of content a hundred ways as opposed to saying, actually, I'm a professional. I know how to do it or I or I can test. Mm-hmm. I, do you do a hundred versions of content? No. That's
0: an interesting question because uh, there are some – there are different theories to that model um, that say in this day and age with digital, you should be putting a lot of stuff out there. You know, so there, that is, I think that is a question that hasn't been answered yet, but it's interesting to get your perspective. So in your POV, you, you would advise people to say, Hey, create a piece of content, but how do you go in before that? Right? Like instead of looking at the finished product, cause that's what you're eventually looking at. Mm, we'll start earlier. Okay. So that's what I want to get So what, at what point do you come in and what point the, do you, are you working for agencies so, right now and content makers?
2: We do. So again, our, our company, Immersion Neuroscience, is software as a service. So we have created, we call it PhD in a chip. You don't need a bunch of weirdos like me coming in your office and I'm too expensive anyway. So you license this from us. It's all online. Everyone understands zero to 10. Hires better. And you get a bunch of metrics showing how you can improve your content as well that we've built in. And also who digs it the most. We call these evangelists, these sort of super responders. Target these people. They will help you. They will spread the word. Um, so so we worked with all the major new, new, uh, movie studios uh, looking at trailers, roughs of their trailers for the summer releases. And so they licensed our technology and I got to go to a bunch of these studios, which are really fun, of course. And, uh, and so we're watching real time as we have groups of individuals watching roughs of these trailers and either the lines going up or the lines going down. And it's very easy to see which parts are valuable, how to trim these. Um, so I, I just want to maintain the NDAs with those, but sure, all the major, almost all the major releases that you've heard about, we test the trailers and as you know, their companies they just, all they do is create trailers. So, yeah. um, for some of these big releases, there are, you know, seven, eight, nine different trailers often for different markets, but we can take all those seven or eight or nine different versions and then start to create sort of a super version by looking at, okay, this little section works, this session doesn't work. Um, so one of those was, um one of the ones that we tested was for a movie that involves inanimate objects okay. that that may seem kind of human like, uh-huh. and you know we found that you know too much focus on the machine, not enough focus on the human faces, the actors' faces. You know, there's a there's a. I mean, we're getting second by second data, so you can really zero in on. Gosh, you know, that's a content creator. I need yeah. emotion. I need human
0: yeah. fa- facial features.
2: Yep. But yeah, give me more of that. Give me less of the machine moving around. Right. So,
0: so the, and and for everybody listening, this is you looked at these trailers for, for movies and you looked at them in the summer, but there were movies that came out holidays, December, 2018. Correct. And so that's so interesting. So in terms of, give me, give me some goods right now, give us the listeners. People are fascinated to find out, okay, what have you learned? Cause right there you just slipped a nugget and I'm guessing then the studios went back and recut some of these trailers around the, so in terms of that, like you just gave, you know, One of the things that I work with a lot that I love is there are some, you know, video strategists who, similar to what you're doing, telling us like, hey, have a human face or see somebody smiling. What are some of those little tenets that are just like they're tried and true and you've seen work consistently that people can when they go in to make it even before they've shot it because you're talking about the editing process right now. I want to go before that process, before I've even spent that maybe millions of dollars in there. How can I then go in, in in concept better content in the pre-production phase or the idea phase or the story building or the storyboard phase? phase. Yeah.
2: So I think the first is this is creatives plus, not creatives minus. We're not getting rid of creatives. So produce a bunch of content. And then what do we do? We sit around. We sort of talk about it. That's not a bad thing to do. You guys are smart. You know how to create content. But I want to take out that subjective feeling state for two reasons. One is if you're hungry, if you're tired, your brain works differently. You'll evaluate things differently, number one. Number two, I want to really get to this core um, emotional response that is sometimes hard to articulate and do that in a systematic way and in a objective way. Um, So uh, I can put people in a room, I can take people from the agency or from the studios, whomever. Actually, that's the first test we did uh, on, on the content I was just talking about was taking people from the accounting department who are not involved creatively and just say, hey, we're going to put you in a room, test some content. Let's just see this thing work. So a couple things we found. One is You want to start hot, right? So I need to get that that attentional response right away. Um, uh, Often we'll see long, medium-form content, say theatrical release of trailers, which tend to run two, two and a half minutes, starting too slowly, right? So get me in fast. We're in the ADD generation. Hit me hard and then make me care, right? And making me care means I've got to build this dramatic arc. I need some kind of conflict. Um, And then don't resolve that conflict fully, as we talked about earlier. Uh, So we studied for – we studied a couple years ago uh, for Facebook that was looking at – this is published so you can talk about it – looking at content on a phone versus a big screen. So my hypothesis neurologically is big screen, bigger bandwidth in your brain got to be better. Actually, it was the opposite. The small screen was actually more immersive, I think, because it's a physical device you're holding. It's closer to your face. You have to keep it steady. And one of the ads we tested was for people can, can again, YouTube is later, Fault in Our Stars. It's got kind of a teenage movie, kids right. with cancer. And it ends on such a – the trailer ends on such a high emotional peak that you're just dying to find out kids in love you know one of them's got to die i mean you, you just it's got to who, who is it how do they respond what happens you know so it was so well cut that that was a super immersive trailer so again i started with a mystery you have this girl walking in she's got uh, you know oxygen tubes she's walking in a building she runs into this young other young guy who maybe is sick maybe it's not they kind of fall in love okay i got the story
0: now what happens yeah how do i find out i gotta buy a ticket. Well, that's, that is, that's fascinating. So you start, so let's talk about, let's talk about digital because this is, I mean, everything, even whether it's, whether it's, you know, ads, everything is going, 90% of people are consuming, especially ads and content on their phones. So let's talk about digital. What are the challenges that you're seeing and, you know, how can a digital marketer brand, whatever, be better at that?
2: So I think the worry is the is the click-through, right? You watch for the first five or six seconds, and then you skip the ad.
0: They're telling us three seconds now. Yeah.
2: So we recently tested uh, for a political candidate in California, and so we got a nice resolution on six-second bumper ads. Um, three seconds, probably, we can do. One second, we can't do. I think one second is just – it's all just this kind of intentional response. So I think the challenge for content creators is – if I get you to care about this, how fast can I do make that happen?
0: Yes. Right? So how, what's
2: the answer? Uh you know, six seconds, three seconds, I'm not sure. It, it it's gonna be it's it's not gonna be one second. Can even six seconds work? In the testing we did again, we've only done one client with six second political ads, but the differences between the different versions of this ads for this candidate. Uh, we're actually fairly large from an immersive perspective. So from a brain perspective, we got nice separation. It was very clear what the kind of ads that worked. By the way, American flags, this is a Republican candidate, American flags, uh, putting flowers at a veteran seminary, cemetery, uh, also all that worked. Um, and you can see those differences in six seconds. Three, I'd want to test. I don't know. Uh, so uh, what do you think you, you've created the assistant? Well, this is
0: a question we have, we're told, uh, you know, there's, there's times where we're told long form doesn't work. Long form doesn't work. And, you know, long form is anything in their mind beyond six seconds, 30 seconds is, you know, too long. So that's like, that is a debate in the industry as any of our clients. And, and even we say like, what is too long? Um, and there's studies that debunk there's both ways, but it hasn't sort of taken your approach.
2: So uh, I'll tell you what we found. Having done this for a zillion years, a good story is a good story is a good story, and my brain doesn't care if you can tell me. You know, the the classic uh, uh, was the uh, Hemingway uh, quote. You know, this the six second uh, great story that you know. Um, it could be sorry, six word great story. It could be six words that could be enough. It's hard um, if it's three minutes. So so we did uh, work. Uh, I'm just going to suppress name. One of the studios that does lost indication of TV. Uh, this hasn't been released yet, but we found they asked, you know, why do people even watch TV shows? Why mm-hmm. do you watch Friends or Seinfeld or Sim- Simpsons? You've right. seen, you've seen it, mm-hmm. you know, already. Why do you mm-hmm. watch it for the third time? I don't know. That's testable, right? I always want to be agnostic, keep my scientist hat on. We found that on several measures, shows that you're familiar with generated higher immersion than shows that were new to you. Now, I said earlier that your brain loves new. I want something exciting. I want. I don't want to repeat the pattern, but there's also something apparently that I've emotionally engaged in before. That's pulling on memories. That's pulling on those emotions. So if it's you sound like you've talked to my wife. Story. Yeah, there you go. Why the hell are you watching Simpsons again? Um, So we're weird creatures, and and I don't have all the answers. You know that for sure. No one does. But I believe that testing is the way to get around having this conundrum of what we do. Why don't we just test and see what happens? And And honestly, it's going to be targeting. I mean, what we're finding now is that that kind of familiarity response varies a lot by different demographic segments, what kind of show you're watching. Um, I think the ads vary um, by segment. So I think if you test that and you can identify particularly who really, whose brains really dig this thing, then you can leverage that marketing spend
0: i love what you said a great story is a great story is a great story are you listening platforms marketers my clients no i'm kidding i love my clients for the best um great story is a great story length doesn't matter
1: hi it's mark rico i want you to listen to this hiring is challenging but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple fast and smart. It's a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. And that place is ZipRecruiter.com slash network. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash Mouth Media Network. Zip Recruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, Zip Recruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, Zip Recruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Mouth Network. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire.
0: How does somebody build that tension? How do you design that before we've spent all this money to shoot it and not just sitting in the editing room recutting it?
2: Partially, you need great storytellers. You need content creators who really understand story structure, understand how to elicit emotion in viewers. And as I said earlier, that emotion is what makes us remember and want to act on that information. So the attention just opens the door. It's the emotion that drives you through the door. So if that's the case, my view is test all the way throughout. And these tests can be a bunch of people in your office. Grab them right away. Hey, here's some content I'm thinking about. Refine, refine, refine. You do that anyway when you're cutting this thing, right? So I would do it throughout. So here's what we find neurologically. You can't have an immersion peak without a trough. So it is not the the, uh, Freytag triangle straight up, straight down. It's more like a sine wave. And I want that sine wave to be building tension and then particularly for an ad that is motivating action I want to have enough tension towards the end that I am motivated to now release that tension by doing something but I cannot get an emotional peak unless I have a valley before because the brain exhausts Maybe not for six seconds or three seconds, but if I'm looking at thirty seconds or sixty seconds, I've got to put a little breather in there, and we know that from storytelling, right? This is the the comic relief, this is the gesture, this is the the second storyline that has lower attention. so I can certainly do that, but I want to do it in a very tight and thoughtful way. So we had done work years ago for the Humane Society of the United States, and they would release things online. They were like two minutes sad puppies and sad music. same thing. we acclimated to it right away, so after a minute. Everyone got it, and what it is, they dissipate the tension and they got fewer donations. So we advise them to do sixty seconds. That's great for TV. That's great for online. Tell me a tight story. Hold the tension. Make me look at that sad puppy in the eyes. And now have here's the website or here's the phone number. Call now because this puppy's looking at you.
0: Right. Love it. Is there any imagery that you've seen? Like you, you mentioned the American flag. Right. A puppy's face. A smiling person. Is there any imagery that both grabs attention and or hooks emotion that, that any people out there can be thinking about when designing their content?
2: We have. So certainly faces. Uh, we're, humans are face freaks because we get so much emotional content from faces. So close-ups, great. Um, someone tried to do this. I think it was Budweiser a couple years ago for Super Bowl. A puppy, baby, monkey. Remember that one? It was I a I think big that was fail. Mountain Dew. Was it Mountain Dew? Mountain Dew. Um, so puppies and babies. Yeah. Again, highly emotional, unless you're a psychopath, you know, you look at a little baby's face. Oh right. my God. Be and then they puppies. added the monkey. Yeah. They had the monkey, which, you know, I guess is cute. So again, it's gotta be part of the story though. So if you just drop in the, it, the gratuitous puppy or the baby doesn't work. So I remember seeing a commercial for, um, Prudential life insurance, and because I look at commercials like, like you do with a very fine detail, and there'll be a guy walking through with a with a little puppy in his arms, nothing to do with the story, right? And you might get a little teeny immersion blip on that. But well, say you know if if that's part of your storyline, build it in. So I think the um, was a toilet paper commercial with the bears and and his little baby bear, yeah. maybe Charmin yep, yep. or something.
0: Yeah, Charmin. You know,
2: so that's those are anthropomorphized animals, right? So we can get a lot of emotion from there. They're funny. They're engaging. Um, so th- that's using that animal kind of engagement story in the
0: storyline. What are the biggest mistakes that brands make when they go to make content in terms of like coming up with ads? And because because this starts so much earlier, right? There's a first. There's a brief from the client. Then there's a strategy from the agency, and there's a way to attack the brief. Then there's the ideas, and then you write out the story. that you then go shoot and edit and deliver. But it happens much earlier. What is that mistake that gets made? Uh, I think twofold. Uh,
2: you know What I like about the neurologic data is it's not an opinion. It is what it is, objective data. So I think, again, testing throughout that and not having to say, well, the client likes version 7, and you think version 2 is better – You know, I I just don't want to be in that opinion world. But um, two things. I think not having a very rich storyline, understanding the role of emotions. Um, The second we see now, particularly with shorter commercials, very fast cuts, which I'm just going from scene to scene without sort of connective tissue. And that fast cut, although it sustains attention, doesn't drive the emotional engagement. So just from the neuroscience perspective, in 30 seconds, attention is much more like a zero-one variable. Either I got it or I don't. So we call this spotlight attention. It's the emotion that drives that being sucked into that story. So sometimes called narrative transportation.
0: That's the emotional component. Narrative transportation. I will be stealing that one as well. People want to know what brands stand for, not just what they sell. How do you feel about that statement?
2: I'm going to go back to a good story is a good story is a good story. And if that story reflects my brand, great. We certainly care about values. We care about, uh, as human beings, about fairness and about uh, beauty and truth and all these things. And if that resonates with your brand, I think it's great. I'm sort of philosophically against the, you know, uh, CSR kind of like, oh, we're saving the world. Send me a good damn product. That's what I want, actually. Right. right, right. I can save the
0: world on my own. I'm good. Yeah. So this is a hard hitting question. When you're not doing what you do, what are you geeking out on? What content are you watching? What are you consuming? What do you like to veg out at,
2: with? I'm a weirdo. So I'm really yeah. eclectic. Uh, a lot of history, uh, a, a lot of, um, uh, conflict. I've worked a lot, did a lot of work after nine 11 on conflict. So I follow kind of military and terrorism related stuff. Um, you know, I, I remember a couple of years ago tweeting out a picture on a Saturday night coding with my daughters. I have two daughters. I'm such a weirdo. So I, I'm really interested in tools, uh, mm-hmm. it, which is really boring. Uh, but anything about tools is interesting to me.
0: Where did you, when you were growing up, what did you see yourself doing? Did you see yourself being in this field, or did you have a totally different dream of like where you would end up being? I think, you know, Ritesh, I think I'm a Martian. So Mm -hmm. I
2: don't really understand human beings very well. And maybe I don't have a lot of emotion. So (laughs) talk to my wife, which is why I study emotion. Um, No, my father was an engineer and I had three sisters and no brothers. So I spent a lot of time in the garage with my dad building stuff. And in retrospect, you know, that has served me very well in terms of just trying things, just build a tool, see if it works, see if it helps. And I get to spend a lot of my time playing, building technology and seeing if it can solve problems. And when it does, I'm super happy. So I just love to solve problems.
0: And uh, being the Martian, we're, we're going to hook you up with Elon Musk right after this. So, you know, SpaceX, I think there's a future. Maybe you can be the first explorer over on uh, Mars. Well, listen, this has been incredible. Thank you so much for your time. Um, you know, how can people find you, Dr. Paul Zack? How can they learn more about immersion neuroscience? Tell us, you know, the best way to reach you or just even just learn more about you. Sure
2: happy to uh, re- reply to anybody who contacts me immersionNeuro.com is the website and you can find out more about me at pauljzak.com.
0: Awesome and uh, if we need a if we need a vouch, we can reach out to the uh, head of BBDO Asia apparently he'll tell us that uh, you did well. Uh, well, thank you so much for your time and coming in and I hope uh, people got a lot of takeaway from this. I think there's a lot of great stuff for marketers content makers, movie producers, the whole nine yards and everybody out there. Thank you so much for listening, getting Dr. Paul Zach's insights, standing by my bad jokes. I'm Ritesh Gupta. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to content is your business to suggest guests or content for this show, or to become a sponsor. Email us at contentshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. And episodes are available on our website, contentisyourbusiness.com, and wherever the best podcasts are found. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening.